0: Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn.
1: Well, particularly who've had a lot of experience with plant medicine, psychedelics, they uniformly come back and say ketamine favorite. I think it's a great tool for the nervous system. You know, we live in a stressful world. and Using a tool that is safe to help you manage the stress, that goes a long way in my book. Ketamine has
0: all these uses that will get sick
1: people well?
0: What about the people that aren't quote unquote sick? Being able to see this as a tool to really optimize it. When we start to tap into that, we start to make different decisions around our health and wellness.
1: NAD is the stuff our mitochondria uses to make ATP energy. How do we get people's NAD levels up? Because doing so helps with longevity, preventing cancer, preventing diabetes, all these good things. There's some signaling that seems to happen within your nervous system. Because for most people, that light switch turns on, you feel like there's been a reset. Colors look brighter. Languaging is easier. Stress is easier to handle. You sleep better. You have more energy. I had to pick one thing, wellness, longevity, performance, NAD. COVID became about two things. One, prevention, which was wearing a mask, separating the distance, and then taking a vaccine. Very little conversation has been about how do we treat COVID. If we're really trying to protect each other and protect society, then the real question is, let's show your antibody status because that's what matters. But that's not the question being asked. Question is: Did you get a vaccine? What ultimately matters? Do you have an antibody response? Because if this was about health, that's how we'd come at it. You know, and someone asked me recently, "Well, how are they going to be able to, on a mass scale, do antibody testing?" Well, in a very short amount of time, they came up with several vaccines. <laughs> you decide to take the vaccine, which is great. I want you to be really excited about it. I don't want you to make choices out of fear, and it's always going to be choices. But we're we're moving to a place where those choices are being taken away from people. It has to be individual choices. It has to be individual questions. It has to be challenging the status quo. That's the only way we're going to make progress and and learn. And let's do it. And let's be able to disagree. It's great having you here. It's good to be here.
0: It's it. You know, I always used to prepare my intros and it was fucking painstaking because it just, what do you want to introduce about the person? Tell, give them a brief kind of. Bio on what they're doing, and it's it just never landed for me. So we're just gonna Jump go in. off the cuff, yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll just start with so I have Dr. Craig Conover on today. We met in 2017, and it's it's this it's such a great example of you never know what's at play.
1: Yeah
0: the the only reason I met you was because I was at Stagecoach in 2017. And in that period of my life, I was seeking. And I wasn't seeking enlightenment. I was seeking like escape from my world. I was going on a lot of different trips, golf trips. Stagecoach was the perfect example. I was out there with my buddies, enjoy the country music. And again, not <laughs> in a much different place. The reason I got to know who you were is on the way to the airport, the guy who was driving me said, hey, listen, another member at uh, the, the club I was at, another member needs a ride to the airport. Is it okay if she rides with you? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep her name out of this because For I think sure. she's, she's a, a client or patient or whatever you call it. But she starts, I tell her I live in Austin. She's like, oh, you know, uh, so-and-so. Like, well, I know who he is, but I, you know, I actually knew his friend really well. Like, well, there's this Dr. Conover. He's been doing this fast vitamin thing. And I think they're going to do something like that with your friend. Da, 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 da. So I immediately reach out to our mutual friend. I said, dude, whatever y'all are doing, like I'm interested. Yeah. And it happened to be the NAD Plus. And because of that, you know, we started in the spring of 2017. I went away to Idaho for the summertime. I came back in, in not great physical shape. I had not taken care of myself. And I had scheduled eight sessions of a loading dose at Onnit. Right. Well, it happened to be at it. I didn't schedule it on, but that was like, it had moved from me and my couple buddies to, to Onnit. It was two days after I was in Las Vegas at the shooting. Yep. And that's where I met Kyle Kingsbury, who... Right has been such a, you know, amazing steward to to my kind of opening and expansion and curiosity. But the only reason I was in that room was because I was at stagecoach escaping my real life, trying to, you know, chasing experiences that were really just numbing what was going on. And because of that, I got to be introduced to you in your work. Yeah. And I just, you know, I could have a lot of judgment for, oh, the fucking version of me who was drinking more and using cannabis a lot and going on golf trips, but it led me to you. And we've, I mean, right away developed just a beautiful relationship and became yep. brothers. Yep. I mean, yes, you've you've worked as my doctor, but it, it's never been about be that. that. Yeah. yeah, it's been really special. So it's I'm so excited. Special. We've been meaning to do this for a long time but I really wanted to do this one in person. So when we were doing it remotely, I'm like, now you need to, we're going to wait till you're here in this room with me. So thank you. I'm I'm grateful that you're here in Austin and to to introduce you and and a lot of the amazing things you're doing to my people.
1: Yeah. No, I'm I'm super excited to be here. Finally. Yeah. 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 I think it's so amazing when you have that perspective that, well, if you can get there, that life's always working for you Mm -hmm. and that, You can just step back and watch, and all these weird things in your life start making sense. To your point, there's no judgment because a lot of the bad things we value, you know, probably incorrectly lead us to the beautiful miracles that
0: is forthcoming. Yes, just being open to it, and and you know, from from for me, I'll just speak from my experience. It's been a process of loving all the versions of myself and it's fucking not easy because there's some versions that, you know, they don't show up great. I don't think for any of us, but but they've led me to a place that I feel really good about and really present with. And there's like, uh, I've heard people use the term of like, kind of forgive yourself. But I, what, what I prefer to say is there's an acceptance of all those things. Yeah. The forgiving almost feels like there's like some sort of authority over it that you, you, you can't move on until you're forgiven. Right. The acceptance is just allowing it like it's what happened. I mean, it is literally what happened. So what are you going to do about it? It's, it's in the past. Like, Can you just move through it and, you know, obviously take the lessons from that. but Also understand that are we are we're doing the best we can. Sometimes we're just in some shitty places. We don't know the way out. And so, and a lot of your work is about moving through those shitty places to greater presence and awareness and healing internally. You know, obviously with the the physical body, but but also the spiritual body, which is I think is so amazing. The work that you're doing and the boundaries you push that most doctors don't, because they they're either not curious or they're scared, or they everyone has their reasons, but. I've always been drawn to you because you're willing to take risks. You're willing to challenge what's being propagated and say, you know what? There's, there's gotta be a different way. Yeah. And, and you, you know, yourself experiment with like, you know, kind of much like Kyle does with, you know, when he was the Guinea pig on it, like you're sure. curious for your own, you, you want to be optimized. So how, totally. can, how, how do I do that for others?
1: Yeah. And I, like we were talking about before this started is, questioning and questioning everything, you know, like certainly I've learned that even more with the pandemic and being open to like, because one big tenet for me is I want all my patients, everyone I care about, everyone period to have the best life. And I think you can only do that by trial and error. Like I'm I'm not into generic advice, um, but once you can understand that everything is made up, it's all made up, all of it. And so the part that's meaningful and that matters is how you view it and how you relate to it and how you can make sense of it under your own lens or through your own lens, mm-hmm. through your own perspective. And then it gets really good because then you can own the choices, and decisions in your life for better or for worse, just own them. And, and I think a lot of people are afraid of that.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, that that really speaks to me. Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I, I'm, I beat the drum on having your own experience and having your own truth within that experience that may be different than, than someone else's. But that's what you're talking about, the trial and error, like getting in there, figuring
1: it out, what works for you in this moment. In this moment is, it, is dynamic. Yes. And that's simple things like, oh, I want to eat just vegetables To I want to work out a certain way. I want to have a certain spiritual practice. I want to take certain supplements. Like it's all dynamic, but the only way you're ever going to know is to try. Yeah. And I think to your point, most doctors have a very limited toolbox based upon their very limited rationale of the world that what people want is just more medicine. It's just not true. Yeah. People, people want to be validated, listened to, and then people want meaningful experiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The system is, is definitely set up for that. Um, that reliance on doctors as the ones who are, you know writing prescriptions, and it's not healing anything.
1: I mean, there's a time and a place. 100 percent. I write prescriptions. I mean I mean I personally, last fall, around this time, was diagnosed with these blood clots in the veins going to my liver. I'm on a blood thinner now. I don't take my blood thinning medication, or it, certainly at the time, I'd be dead. Like, I know it. Like, yeah. I, there is there no so I'm grateful a hundred percent, but those types of medicines aren't gonna make me optimize. They're not gonna push me you know like any of us to be our best yeah, um so,
0: let's talk a little bit about why you're here in Austin this weekend
1: you're in Austin. i mean to to see you yeah. to do this, that's mm. a big part of it. um see some other people, other folks um such as Khalil, you know yeah, kind of central just to so many people in Austin um, recorded the Confidential podcast, which I'm excited to meet Lauren and Michael, and there's just this energy here. I mean, I haven't been here since before COVID, and yeah. it's like whoa, it's electric here. Yeah, it's so, been and it's been it's been
0: fun to to be kind of here, kind of uh, not necessarily a steward, but a witness, and to be involved with um, all the amazing people that are coming here, but also the people. I feel like there's an up-leveling of the people that have been here for sure. They're starting to, you know, the, the Khalil's come in and they challenge the way you're showing up in a way that, you know, he leads by example with integrity, honesty. I mean, he is
1: as self-effacing as anyone I know. Oh, beautiful way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Here to uh, see Gunter and see what, what's going on with Kuya. That's getting off the ground. Yeah, man. can you
0: tell us a little bit about Kuya?
1: So Kuya is this going to be the center for transform transformational growth community. You know, it's going to be a membership model for the most part, um, where they offer a lot of, for lack of better term, transformational tools from IV nutrition to ketamine assisted psychotherapy, float tanks, um, and just building a community. space you know spiritual community uh community of people who really want to better each other different than other types of organization you know a lot of the iv places are set up just to for hangovers or for even in the fitness world this is much different feel i think in terms of the community they're they're seeking to
0: build so, yeah he's, i know he's been you know uh, gunter bergman's been working on this for at least a few years very intensely and uh just to watch it unfold and to finally yep. you know be able to to open the doors to the people of austin and obviously the people from around the world that will come here it's it's going to be pretty amazing
1: yeah i think and i think it'll be very distinct just because of how they're setting it up from go in terms of they really working on that community you know and having that model that people are there to support each other from the doctors to the therapist to everyone helping each other.
0: And that's part of the the I guess the challenges in in the modern world that a lot of things are fragmented, segmented and so this doctor doesn't talk to this physio, doesn't talk to so having everyone under one roof that can really like your team, your team
1: together. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that doctors in general tend to be territorial, you know, they let you know, very hard to share patients which to me is like, we're just here to help the patient do their best. And if they want six opinions, awesome. Like that's good for them. Um, But most doctors can't tolerate that. They think this is my way or the highway and very antiquated. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: let's, which, which your role there
1: right now Uh, advising them, you know, we've set up the IV stuff and help with some of the diagnostics, lab testing, just kind of help consult them with, Probably challenging case, patients' cases. You know, patients coming in. I think I think there's going to be a big draw of people with PTSD, which most of us have on some level. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, utilizing ketamine in some unique ways um, to help open people up. Awesome.
0: Well, that's a, a great segue into to ketamine. Yeah, which is something that I've I've used pretty extensively over the past. I don't know, two plus three, maybe three years. And um, we were talking about before we got on here, Yeah, you know, I've, I've had a, a fair amount of plant medicine uh, experience, whether it's psilocybin or um, I guess particularly psilocybin, but I don't know if LSD would be considered a plant medicine. It's not technically a plant medicine, but you know, Wachuma sure. and a few other of these psychedelics that have, have helped open me up. But that the use of ketamine as I, I feel like not to rank them, but it, it's the one that's been the easiest to work with. And I feel like I've had the most profound understandings about myself and, and really the nature of, of life in general through the use of that. And yeah. it, to me, it was such a shock because like most everybody else, I thought of it as a horse tranquilizer
1: or, you know, it had that, that dirty name on the street for sure. I mean that's been our experience is that people particularly who've had a lot of experience with plant medicine psychedelics you know conscious changing tools pretty uniformly come back and say ketamine's their favorite and and I think you know because I think ketamine has this connotation that it's sterile there's no spiritual component mm. it's you know it's a synthetic drug and people have this resistance to it um but our experience with working with a lot of people in different ways with ketamine has been just like hard opening, clarifying. Um, what I like about it, it's very clean, you know. So it's people don't get this hangover. It, it's uh, it's I think it's a great tool for the nervous system, you know. And I, and I say that whether we're looking just in the short term to help understand your psyche, but it's also you know we live in a stressful world. And using a tool that is safe to help you manage the stress in your daily, weekly life, that goes a long way in my book. Yeah. And it's
0: different than, uh, you know, people use alcohol. I mean, I have in the past to relieve stress. I've used cannabis to relieve stress, but it's where, where there's a major difference is ketamine allows me to see what's causing the stress from like this kind of third person view and realize that it's really all just made up in my mind, that it's not that big a deal. It lets you zoom out and have a, a really somewhat objective perspective on what you're dealing with. And
1: that's, the, I think, one of the beauties of it. The way I think about it is things like alcohol, cannabis tend to numb people. Yeah. Ketamine helps your nervous system make new connections, insightful connections. Actually helps it grow in a way. That's um, very different than alcohol and other agents. And so, sure, alcohol can help you relieve stress. No big deal. The trouble is, a lot of people can't just have one drink. And so now they're having three to four. They're not sleeping well. They're dependent on it. They're ornery. They're cranky. Ketamine's not like that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't abuse ketamine, that it's not going to build tolerance. It does. And those are all important aspects. But you know, you use it in a therapeutic way, and the way you and your doctor figure out, I think it's actually very positive to the nervous system. How did you? How did you start working with it? It's. So I was at the Bulletproof Conference, um, where I met Dave Asprey. We're doing NAD with him. This was years ago, and I met um, Dr. Matt Cook. I've heard his name pop yeah. up a lot lately. And actually, Dr. Dan Engel introduced us, and he's mm. like, you got to meet Dr. Cook." And so he was there. And so we just started talking, hit it off, and he was like, I, I want to learn about NAD. Um, do you know much about ketamine? And I was like, I don't. And he told me kind of, well, try it this way. And I came home from the conference in the normal way when I learn about something is like, I gotta try it on myself. You're just like me. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> That's let's
0: what, let's do one it. One of the many reasons I love you. Yeah.
1: So I ordered some. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, you know, I had NAD running in the way I Wanted to do it was an intramuscular shot. Okay. So I remember had the nurse give me a shot. I was just sitting there and I was like, whoa, this is really interesting. And it felt very freeing and light. And it wasn't this big, like, oh, I got this insight, like this is really important. It was like, this is just a fun experience. Somatically, I felt good. So that's just where I started. So, you know, friends, family members, staff, we like to try stuff to figure out, okay, what's the best way to do this, the safest way. And then we kind of spread it out. And that's how we still do it in our office, you know, for the, for the client, the patient that we think it's applicable, um, we'll bring it up, we'll discuss it, they try it. Um, and then for those clients further who, um, you know, recognizing that most of the stuff is not going to be done in the office, we developed this nasal spray, which a lot of people, you know, not just, you know, my practice, but a lot of practices now use, we combine ketamine with oxytocin. The social bonding love hormone, kind of a safe landing, um, and it's a it's kind of like a microdose. Yeah. Um, what I like about ketamine very very safe, very few side effects. I mean, used appropriately, even long term, we really don't see any negatives, right? I think the challenge is you have some people have an addictive personality; they get whatever it is in their hands, and they just say, "This is the end all be all. I'm going to go to the end." Well, probably not for you. Yeah. Probably, yeah. you know, But for most people used appropriately, um, it's a va- very valuable tool. And, and I think the thing I've learned a lot about is I wasn't thinking that way when we first started. I didn't think it'd be this tool. I thought it'd be this treatment, treatment for PTSD, treatment for anxiety, treatment for depression. Now I see it as people who are well can benefit from understanding themselves, their consciousness, the world around them in a broader way. That's very safe. That's awesome yeah that's like a, I'm glad you brought that up because the the
0: use is a perfect example of I think the way I see you uh in the practice that ketamine has all these uses that will get sick people well, yeah. right through the the traumas and and whatnot. but what about the people that aren't quote unquote sick mm-hmm. right being able to see this as a tool to really optimize and to get into the spiritual side of you know really being able to, to sit with the questions of why we're here. And like, these tools are so important. And when we start to tap into that, we start to make different decisions
1: around our health and wellness. And, and for me, like my position on it is, which I don't think most doctors understand, whether you've got diabetes or cancer or Parkinson's or just dealing with, I want to lose weight. We, we, we can't really get to the crux or the core of what you know, that relationship's about if we're not vulnerable and trust each other and be open with each other, most doctors come into that relationship saying, here's a few pharmaceuticals, right? Mm, that's not what we're here for. We're, we're not here just to take medicine because most people are numb to the world they live in. A lot of people don't feel safe. How do you have those conversations by just talking about diabetes? Mm. It's, it's impossible, impossible. So, so, Academy and there's other tools start to open those doors, allow people to feel safer. And that safety allows them to say, I want to explore. And if I want to explore, yeah, there's some unknowns that are scary, but if I can do it in a safe guided way, I can start to learn about myself better. And then we're going to make some progress. And then it gets really amazing and valuable. We're working together on a common goal.
0: Mm. (laughs) I was just thinking back, by the way, the very first time I did it was with you and it was intermuscular. And yeah. I remember you and I sitting together afterwards and like, you know, so how you doing? How was it? And I was like, Oh, it was interesting. I, I don't know if I'll, I'll do it again. I'm not yeah. really
1: <laughs> famous last words. Yeah. And then <laughs> fast forward three years. Yeah.
0: And, uh, You were talking about it, you know, again, before we got on that, there was a period of time where I I used it quite regularly and a few people were really concerned like, Hey man, look, like I I get it, but like you're using it more than I'm using it by a a few factors. And, um, I think it, it, brings up a really interesting conversation. I know you have some thoughts on addiction. Yeah. Because I didn't feel like I was addicted to it in the sense of, you know, uh, what I felt for other things that I've been addicted to maybe. Uh, I was searching for something and I felt like I was on the track and I was using it on a regular basis to kind of, you know, intuitively get to get what I needed. And I felt like on, 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 one particular day, I got it. And then I, I stopped Yeah, and I didn't really even, I don't think I used it for probably two to three months after that, but let's talk a little bit about addiction sure. and, and how it's viewed by many people, you know, from the outside of, oh, you're using something a lot. You must be addicted. That's bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think My view of addiction is if you're taking whatever it is, whatever substance or whatever thought process is damaging to your relationships primarily in your life, damaging to your progress as as you're moving forward, whether that be school, work, um, that is an addiction, right? I think that's separate than a physiologic dependence or tolerance, which happens with most substances, most thoughts. Most routines, we pattern our nervous system, you know, throughout our life. It's part of our development, um, and that's okay, right? That allows us to feel safe in our environment. You know, one of the things that I try to sort out when I'm meeting new patients is how safe do they feel in their world, because that's a defining question. Because if you feel safe, you tend to come at the world with a sense of abundance and love. If you're unsafe which is most people most you come to your lens of the world is fear. And, and then the way I'd like to frame it with addiction, we think of ad, the opposite of addiction, sobriety.
0: Oh yes.
1: But the opposite of addiction is just, a, just an alternative view the opposite of addiction. or Maybe not the opposite is, is really connection, right? So people who uh, have alcohol issues, opiate issues, but there's plenty um, for a lot of them, the first time they did that heroin or cocaine or had that drink was the first time they, had, they were hugged in their life. Yeah. Now, these substances for some people and some people's biochemistry, and I was just thinking about this the other day when I was in residency and I had a patient who had chronic pancreatitis, young guy. And pancreatitis is one of the most painful conditions. And he had it chronically. His, his pancreas was inflamed for whatever reason. And we started on pain medicine, which was appropriate because he had chronic daily pain. Well, not too long into that course, it changed his personality. He was asking for, you know, refills early, he was becoming a jerk about it, he was pushing back. And I understood it. Like it wasn't really his fault. He didn't choose to have pancreatitis. He didn't choose to take the pain medicine on a regular basis, but that pain medicine changes biochemistry and that now he needed it and he was super dependent on it now is was he an addict i don't think so right he was super dependent on it and we had to deal with that dependence which really meant we had to deal with pain how are you going to deal with pain same thing goes back to people who are you know abusing heroin cocaine alcohol benzos adderall right like you just pull it away um you're leaving people with a big gaping hole. That's not necessarily the best thing. And I'm not advocating that we just continue people on this because there's other options. We can talk about NAD and even plant medicine that can rejuvenate or reset the nervous system in a really positive way. But I think the connotation of, for many people, addiction and people looking from the outside saying you have a problem, is number one, judgmental. Number two, two, I think if we look at these things as tools, um, then we, we have a different feeling about them. Now people can go too far for sure. People can get in trouble and I've seen it. Um, so we have to have some restraints or boundaries um, just because the nature of these substances. But I think that we bring a lot of judgment to these conversations and that's a problem in of itself. And I think if people can have the perspective, okay, I'm using this tool just like you use caffeine, right? Just like you use some nootropic medicine, mm or you may use NAD for whatever it is, this is a tool to help you be your best, right? And if it's a tool that's moving you positive in a positive direction, and you're a better person, if your stress levels are better, if you're a better husband, father, right? You're better with your colleagues. I really ask those questions. How is that bad for you? And I really ask that question because I don't think it is.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect because you know as we started this segment of the conversation. I I took a little feel free and I'm like, oh, very appropriate because this is something I've been using since December. Started out like once or twice a week and now it's probably two to three a day. Yeah. And again, when you make a snap judgment on it, well, that's too much. You must be addicted to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's one definition of addiction, but you know, and it, I don't believe this is, no, you could argue that this is self-serving, but to all the things you just said, this product, this combination of Kava and Kratom has made me better. It has made me better at, you know, when I'm sitting on the computer to do work, when I'm on a podcast connecting, when I'm around my kids, if I go out to dinner with a group of people, if I'm at a big event where there's a lot of people, maybe I just don't really want to be there, it opens me
1: up. Yeah. So it actually makes me perform better. Awesome. I think too, if people can look at this and they're thinking about these different substances, I think one very practical way about this is don't have this in a dark secret place, right? Don't do this on your own where you're hiding it from your friends and family, like hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Where you it's in the open. Yes. I like this. It, it, it helps me, you know, my best and they can watch over you and, and, and check you, which is great. But if they can check you without judgment, right, But that accountability is important. And I think people get into trouble. I had a patient probably six months to a year ago and he was um, doing great, a lot of anxiety. And he was, uh, we had him on the ketamine nasal spray. Um, doing great. But then I learned he, he was at a party. His wife reached out to me on Monday morning and crying and said he, he really had a breakdown. He acted inappropriately, got aggressive with some of the people there. And I brought him in and the three of us talked. And I learned that you know he was using the spray and drinking after his wife went to bed. And he was doing it secretive. And he's keeping it in the dark. That was his problem. Not necessarily that he was using it, but he was hiding it. I think that hiding is, is like, you want to be your best self, be your best self wide open, even, even the dark stuff. Yes. And
0: I think that's a great point. Cause I, I can even speak to that with my experience with ketamine because Peyton um, saw the benefits, but was concerned about the amount I was using based upon whatever in her mind was appropriate, appropriate. right, and my thoughts around that were very different. And so I was definitely in that space where I was (laughs) fucking sneaking it in some regards. I'd be over working, you know, in the guest house and not, there were definitely times where I was purposely hiding it, you know, because I'm like, I, I, I just wanted to follow my intuition on this and I didn't want um, I didn't have a good reason other than I just feel like this is the right thing for me to do. And, and I don't, th- and I don't think that was good enough for her, but I know f- that was such a shitty feeling. And it made me feel like maybe I am addicted to this because I am hiding it. And I feel all this
1: shame, it's shame built around it. I was we were talking before the podcast about this client I met yesterday and he we weren't talking about this directly, but he had a great, response, because we were talking about things with the vaccine and the pandemic and making decisions in your life. And you said, well, here's how I handle it. I just ask people, how's that working for you? It's like, that really cuts to it. You know, if you can really be honest with yourself and saying, yeah, I'm using feel free, I'm using ketamine, I'm using this, and I'm actually progressing. And my relationship with my spouse is amazing and I'm doing great work and I'm feeling good. I would say that's working for you. Right. Yes. And, and I think that's, that's just keeps it simple. Right. Because again, it takes some honesty and authenticity and it takes the safety of, I'm going to be vulnerable to say as well, "Eh, this isn't working for me. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm slacking or I'm feeling more anxious or I'm feeling the need to reach for this because this is bubbling up inside of me and I don't know what to do. It takes that, but that's, I think what we're striving for is a community. Like Support each other in a non-judgmental, very safe way.
0: Yeah. And I and, you know, yeah, you know, during during the period where I was using ketamine on a pretty regular basis, I had a friend, you know, pull me aside in from poof, such an open heart, just expressed his concern, zero judgment. And I knew it wasn't easy for him to do that. Yeah but he fucking did it. And I mean, for many reasons, he and I become, you know, really close, but that showed me his character that he could love me and show up for me in a way that was really uncomfortable for him Mm -hmm. to challenge someone that, you know, in some ways he looks up to me in, in some areas. Right. And, and to be willing to risk that, not that, You know, he didn't know how it was going to turn out, how I was going to receive it. Some people are, you know, when you're using something that, you know, on a regular basis, there may be backlash. I mean, we've seen it in the past, right? This is are guarding, like, no, I'm okay. Right. Right. So just being such a great example of, of really, you know, like we need to shift these paradigms on how we, show up for people when we're concerned a lot of times it's fear-based and we're afraid something's going to happen so it's comes from you know it starts at the heart Mm -hmm. but it comes through the fear filter and it fucks up the message because then there's no conversation i'm defensive sure you're feeling like you know you're trying to act from the heart but you're so scared just being able to put it out there and and again so like just like breaking down the ways we look at things like addiction. Mm-hmm. To your point, is this working for you? You're using it more than what so-and-so deems as appropriate. Well, is it working? Right. And if we can just start to sit with the questions rather than think everything's black and white. If oh. you do this more than one a day, then you're addicted.
1: Sure. Well, I've learned a lot of this from my wife, Kelly, in terms of, you know, she says people can deal with what they know, you know? And she's taught me a lot about how to move on. She's so much better than I am in terms of, you know, like being able to move on and just be positive and kind of reorient. And I think to your point of like people being afraid to get out there and say things or lend that hand. And I I think it goes back to a lot of that is this, like, let's just be open and direct. Like we don't need to dance around it. Like, yeah, I, I'm concerned for you because I see you using that a lot. How's it working for you? There's a lot that better, better conversation starter for you to respond, and not be defensive than like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And for people out there listening, like everyone has different biochemistry. Like it just is, everyone's an individual. So some people need a lot more for, to work for them than other people. And there is no judgment honestly, the only way to know that is to try. Yeah. And if you don't try, if you didn't go down the path where you felt comfortable trying it and taking more in this instance, and, and part of that is, you know, having trust that you're, you're going to have a safety net, that you're going to have your wife to check you, someone like me that can check in with you, Yeah, then then you wouldn't have gotten to that place. Right. That's and, right. And so then in, You know, interestingly, like when I was thinking about coming here and talking to you, thinking about how we met, first met and watching you, like you, I mean, even talking to people in the community just the past few days, like you are such a bright light. Mm. Like you and your wife are seen as like very special. And like, I've always known that about you. Like I felt very close to you, very connected to you very early on. And just hearing other people, like you've made so much progress and growth. Now you're of service to so many people. It is unbelievable. So you using ketamine, you using feel free. Awesome. Like go for it, do it because you are special and you're doing amazing work and people need you at your best. Thank you for that. That means a lot coming from you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, a lot of the work we've done is around NAD. Yeah fucking questions all the time. What is NAD? And I, yeah. I, I do the best I can, but I would love to hear it from you. And it also, I had a, someone ping me the other day about, was taking some sort of oral NAD. Yeah. I said, what do you know about that? I said, I, I don't know. I've, I've always done it. IV. Right. And I feel like that's the right way, but, but I don't know. It's not like, you know, the hard thing, for NAD is it's not as crystal clear, like feel free when you drink, feel free, 10, 15, 20 minutes later, you feel something like you're in, you're in it. With NAD, you don't always feel that. Sometimes later in the day, you'll feel, you'll feel really good, but it's, it's, it's much more subtle. Mm -hmm. So first question, what are your thoughts around uh, oral NAD
1: versus uh, IV? Yeah. So just a little history, not to get too far down the path. NAD is this B3 vitamin derivative chemical cousin and niacin grew up actually in the 1930s for addiction. So NAD um, historically has been one of these tools to help turn off cravings, whether it be alcohol, opiates, benzos. And it, from my op- observation, probably better than anything else on this planet. No shit. Yeah. And so um, kind of ignored by conventional medicine for decades, resurfaced in the nineties where people traveled to Mexico for 10 straight days of intravenous NAD for their addiction. Again, we talked about that may not be totally appropriate, but for whatever substance they're using, wanted to get off of it. In 2006, a gentleman from the States had a pain medicine addiction, traveled to Mexico, changed his life. He opened a clinic in Atlanta. I got to know him over the years. And then one day he came to me and said, because he's not a doctor, I need some help. There's a lot of people wanting this, help me answer questions. And so we started using it. and so. Um, at the time, you know, there wasn't this oral, I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah. And NED was known as addiction. Like, mm-hmm. This is what we want to do for addiction. Um, and what they did in the original protocol is very high dosages, you know, 3000 milligrams. Take, it's very uncomfortable. People take six to eight hours, if not longer. What
0: are we, 750 milligrams? 750. And so
1: we did <sighs> a lot of testing. You know, 250, 500, 750, 1050, but kind of figure out for me, I found 750 is a sweet spot. I'm not going to say it's perfect, but most people can get through it in an hour and a half, hour and a half, and then come back the next day. And then we found that people do best with a loading dose because NADs, the stuff our mitochondria uses to make ATP energy. And so now that we know that there's been a lot of research over the last five to seven years, how do we you know, kind of get people's NAD levels up because doing so helps with longevity, preventing cancer, preventing diabetes, all these good things. Dr. David Sinclair did a landmark study from Harvard that shows giving mice, you know, an oral NAD precursor at the time it was this molecule NR, nicotinamide riboside helped boost NAD levels. Now it's not a great study, but, you know, it got published. He's from Harvard. It certainly works. I certainly think it can work. But I don't think it works as well in terms of what it does with NAD. And so to me, the gold standards about bioavail- bioavailability, mm. right? Like if you want to, um, what I tell people is pneumonia. Pneumonia is still probably top 10 cause of mortality in this country. Uh, about two-thirds of people get pneumonia, can do well with an oral antibiotic. But one-third still need to go to the hospital to get IV antibiotics. Let's do with the bioavailability.
0: So just for people, uh, bioavailability means your body's uh, ability to, you know, if you take, you know, a a thousand milligrams of NAD, how much of it is actually getting into your body? What percentage? Correct.
1: So we think in general terms, if you take something orally, only about 20% is absorbed. IB, you're closer to a hundred percent, hundred percent of the time. So we think IB is the gold standard and really that makes sense. I also think it's the gold standard. If you, if you, it's the most direct way. What about suppository? Where's that percentage? Suppository be? can be high. There's some. There's some agents that suppository is going to be close to equivalent of IB can work super well. Just for most people aren't going to stick to it routinely. I don't think.
0: Yeah, Luke's story um, had um, turned me on to. Have you? are you familiar with MitoZen at all? I've heard of it. Yeah, they have a NAD suppository and yeah. when we were going to Italy he's like it, it would be great for you to yeah. do this while you're over there cuz obviously I can't I'm not getting an f- IB right
1: yeah and and so a little awkward i haven't, yeah. haven't it's the first time i've i've right. done that and that's what i'm saying it, it can work but probably for most people not a, not a viable option <laughs> so yeah fair. so from a bioavailability i think is, you know 100% Sub-Q injection into the fat, probably 80%. Intramuscular, probably 70%. Sublingual, under the tongue. So with actually, 50%. sub-Q
0: is actually more than intramuscular. Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. And then, um, you know, we're playing around with topical. Topical is a wild card because some substances are absorbed really well topically. Um, and Some substances aren't. Oh, yeah. So we're playing around with that. We're trying to figure out how best to kind of, because we recognize NADs is very valuable tool. But most people aren't going to do an IV, like if we just talked. If we want to reach the most people, how do we get it out there? Yeah, um, and it and it's you know to be frank, it's expensive. It's expensive, you know, so it it's really uncomfortable.
0: Fuck, I know. It's like I'm not a great salesman for it because whenever, <laughs> whenever we're here doing it, I got Lindsay taking a photo or video of me just fucking crippled. To be fair, it's because I'm trying to do it. You know, the the faster, faster. it goes, the more uncomfortable it is, and sure. so. I'm, I'm trying to bridge that, like get this thing over where I could still feel like I'm alive. But, right.
1: No, and everyone feels it. it's uncomfortable for everyone to some extent, every single treatment. So it's a hard sell. Um, but once what's, what we've learned just observationally is once people get through that loading dose for most people, five treatments in 10 days, the light switch seems to turn on. And I think there's something more than just, you know, like if we compare it to the oral, there's two main oral products, NR and MN which can help boost NAD levels. There's something special about intravenous NAD that goes beyond just getting your NAD level. There's some signaling that seems to happen within your nervous system, because for most people that light switch turns on, you feel like there's been a reset Uh, colors look brighter. Languaging is easier. Stress is easier to handle. You sleep better. You have more energy. I think that's beyond just the NAD molecule being used to make ATP. And so, um, from there, most people do one treatment a month. Again, this is just averages. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's and, what
0: I'm at. And I'm probably, you know, because because I go up to Idaho in the summer and, you know, I, I probably do for uh, another loading dose
1: yeah. session. Yeah. Yeah. And that's common. We have some people who do the loading dose every month. They'll just do four to five treatments once a month. Yeah. Some people do a quarterly. Some, it's, it's very variable. Again, going back to that notion we are talking about, everyone's a different individual. I try to do it once a month. I stick with it. my wife does it once a week. She yeah. finds that that's where it works best for her. Yeah. Um, and that's great.
0: Where, just, just for the people listening, you know, obviously I'm, I'm here in Austin and Oscar, um, takes care of, of, mm-hmm. of, of, of all that for you here. What other cities, um, will people have access to your,
1: your NED work? So we're based in Charleston and then, um, have nurses in many cities across the country, but we also train doctors and practices. So we have a network of about 125 practices that we work with, um, who kind of use our protocols, not every part of the U S, but it's a lot, it's growing. Um, and people go to our website and actually we have a physician locating and type in where they locate and they'll kind of direct them to the closest place, um, to get it. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Any, anything else on NAD that you, you think is important for people to know? I think you covered a lot there, but. People
1: ask me frequently, if I had to pick one thing you know, to help optimize people, whether it's wellness, longevity, performance, it's NAD. Yeah. Like I think it's that special. Mm. I think it's worth trialing. I think it's worth getting involved. And even if you're taking an oral precursor, um, there's so much data in terms of the benefits of NAD. It, it, if you're young and healthy, you probably don't need it as much because you haven't been stressing your body as compared to someone who's lived four or five or six decades of their life. So that makes sense. But I think it's a big safety net. Yeah. Big, big safety. net. Great. Right. Yeah.
0: Great. Right. And then, well, while we're on the topic of, of things to optimize, you know, we've worked with peptides yeah. and testosterone as well. Yeah. So let's we'll talk, give people a, a little bit of, and you can even use you know the experience with me, or however you want to um, talk about it. But you know, I
1: know the, where do those fall in to the the, yeah. the kind of the rankings. I think of um, these are good questions. I think you know, for, particularly with men, testosterone's foundational. And as men get older, and some men it can be when you turn twenty eight, most men by their forties, your ability to make testosterone's decline somewhat dramatically. And it has this connotation that the bodybuilders use it. You make your arms really huge. You get edgy. You get irritable. You get aggressive. But testosterone is foundational for our nervous system. It actually, I think, when men get cranky and ornery and irritable, it's because their testosterone's low. And so, for me, I just speak from personal example. I've been on testosterone. I'm 47, probably 13, 14 years now. I remember when I wasn't on it before. The the world was a harsher place, harder to laugh, harder to feel good, harder to make decisions because I felt even depressed at times, right? Testosterone really works on that nervous system to help people feel happy. Like beyond the physical, which it certainly helps with lean muscle mass, helps with performance, helps with recovery. I think it helps men feel confident, have their memory be acute, sleep well, things related to the nervous system. So I think For men, testosterone, big, big hormone. For women, it seems to be, there's more hormones. Women tend to be more complicated, of course. We're Mm -hmm. lucky as men. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, thyroid, thyroid dysregulation and and having insufficient thyroid levels seems to be the biggest pressing problem that I've seen for women as they hit the third, fourth, fifth decade of life. Um, And not figuring that out, just women start to slow down. They gain weight, they get brain fog. They just can't operate like they used to it's very stressful. And then that has a negative impact on other hormones. So our approach is we like, again, individualize it, figure it out, look at all these different hormones, and kind of piece it together to see what works. Gotcha.
0: And then, so a couple of questions. One, uh, someone was actually telling me this the other day that testosterone is, is really the, the one that makes everything else, all the, the cortisol and the other, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on um, It is like the master kind of generator of those.
1: I don't, I don't know if
0: that's true. Okay. So yeah,
1: talk to me about that. But I think everyone has, there's some generalities, but I think everyone has kind of their linchpin hormone. Okay. So to me, that means, and then for most women, it's thyroid. Meaning if you don't get that working the best, it's going to be hard to get their estrogen, their progesterone, their cortisol working well. For men... Um, sometimes it's testosterone, but I've certainly seen with men that it's cortisol or growth hormone or rarely thyroid, where if we don't get that working well, none of the other stuff will work. So I think of it as kind of this linchpin. It's the key one. I don't think testosterone is the master though. Gotcha. There's so many different hormones. I think for men, testosterone plays a much bigger role than it does for women, Mm -hmm. but it's not everything. And I've seen that with a lot of men who are like, okay, just load me up on testosterone. Well, That's not necessarily the best thing. either. Yeah. Okay.
0: Gotcha. And then around the thyroid, I mean, how challenging is it to get that
1: thing back? It can be challenging. I've heard that. And it can be challenging because, so thyroid's related to glands. It's in our neck related to metabolism, temperature, things like that. Um, And for women, um, there can be seasonal variations. Like in the winter, they need more thyroid in the summer they need less thyroid. Um, the different thyroid hormones, T3 and T4, are different half-lives. So how do you dose it? How do you give nutrients to keep the thyroid healthy? The thyroid seems to take a hit from environmental toxins. Um, even things like cruciferous vegetables, people don't realize. Um, they can be detrimental to a thyroid metabolism. And as mostly females can't eat too much of those. It's things like kale and cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower. Those types of vegetables can interfere with thyroid. Soy interferes with thyroid. So it gets complicated. And so we just, but I like to tell people it's a still a clinical entity, meaning we want you to feel your best first, and then we're going to figure out the lab stuff later. Gotcha.
0: Okay. And then what about peptides? So mm-hmm. we've been
1: doing some work with that too. Yeah. Peptides have just taken off in the last probably two years. So they're they're chains of amino acids. Amino acids kind of the building blocks of life, all natural molecules. Peptides are just, if, if it's, we put these amino acids together. If they're less than 40 amino acids in length, we call it a peptide. If they're greater than 40, we call it a protein. And so what's nice about them, so safe. Rarely ever see any side effects, certainly no negative side effects. So, so, so safe. Grew up, um, the way I think about it, in the competitive CrossFit community where people were looking for a competitive edge. Started using growth hormone-releasing peptides. These are peptides like ipermorellin, semirellin, GHRP six, GHRP2, to help push out growth hormone because growth hormone is such a recovery type hormone, helps people mend, heal, repair their tissue. Um, certainly well known in the, you know, higher echelon professional communities, because when you injure yourself, there's nothing like growth hormone. Got gotcha. You come back quickly. <clears throat> and so peptides were a way for these competitive CrossFitters to get an edge so they could beat themselves up, but wake up the next morning and keep doing it, right? Mm-hmm. But since that time, now we have peptides for your immune system, peptides for your nervous system, peptides for skin, peptides for inflammation. And what we found is putting them together in novel combinations, we get really good synergy. So what we do is we pre-fill syringes for our clients. People can go on our website and order. We send you a month at a time. You don't have to think about it. Just keep it in the refrigerator. Take it out once a day. Give yourself a shot in the rear end. The vast majority of people have a positive result. So safe. Yeah. So safe, awesome.
0: Yeah, I've been using those, and it's 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 safe. It's easy, and yeah. I love that it's it's pre-filled. Boom. The only time I don't do it is if I forget, you know. But it's it's you know. I think the frictionless, um, yeah, quality to it makes it it really easy to
1: continue to to use it. Yeah, and I think it's going to be if we looked at oral supplements, nutraceuticals. You know, they have their place. Um, but finding that some of these injectable therapies, we can you know, accelerate progress much faster in a safe way. Let's talk about
0: the post from uh, August 4th. Yeah. About the, uh, what was around ivermectin. Sure. And you would put, if you could share with, uh, with everyone, it was a refusal to
1: fill. Yeah, it was a, a patient who had been diagnosed with COVID. And we called in um, to one of the big box pharmacies. We called that in for them. We got a message back that the pharmacist refuses to fill it. And so upon further inquiry, it wasn't because there was some sort of interaction, right? Safety issue, which sure, pharmacists kind of are the gatekeepers to make sure of that. It was the pharmacist and probably the pharmacy that decided they didn't like ivermectin. And they refuse to fill the prescription, which really bothers me Um, because that's not their job, right? Their job is to to take the prescription order, check it, make sure there's no interactions with other medicines the patient may be on, make sure it's safe, whatever, and then fill it. Whether their personal opinion about the medicine, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You got to check that at at the door, right? When you go in and put on the pharmacy coat, you're a pharmacist, you got to be professional. But they were passing judgment over ivermectin, which obviously has become controversial because it's talked about, oh, it's this horse feed and it's this bullshit stuff and doesn't work. And how dare we try to promote it? And again, everyone's going to be their own expert. But from my reading, from my using ivermectin with patients, number one, very safe. We've never had a reaction. We've been using it for a year or more. Nothing, literally no negatives. Number two, it's been in use for 40 years by millions of patients. There's plenty of data on it now since COVID started on its efficacy to help reduce the frequency and severity of symptoms. Like a win-win. Plus, at the time, it wasn't expensive. Powers that be wanted to tell a narrative. We can get into this with COVID that, you know, COVID became about two things. One, prevention, which was wearing a mask. And you know, separating the distance that was six feet and then taking a vaccine. Very little conversation has been about how do we treat COVID when someone gets it. Mm. That's problematic. Very problematic. Mm. But I don't like this notion because if we even now it's even gotten further, like we are now having hospitals, doctors refuse to treat patients if they're unvaccinated. Refuse. And you know, as a doctor, we take an oath, right? We're familiar with the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. There is no judgment, whether you have a vaccine or not, whether you're addicted to heroin or not, whether you've got pneumonia or not. um, It's not our job to sit here and beat you up for the decisions or what's happened in your life. We're here to help you recover. And so for these doctors and hospital systems alike who have decided to draw a line in the sand and say, hey, we're not treating you because you don't want to be vaccinated is mind-blowing and very scary, very scary for people to understand. in, in, in yeah, you, what, what
0: concerns me is not enough people understand what's happening with that. Yeah. And they've never claimed that the, the jab is anything more than A reduction in symptoms. You can still get it, contract it. You can still transmit it. You just may have lesser symptoms. Correct. And there's a lot around what else is in there, which is not being shared.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of secrecy. Um, But the question I have for people that I want them to ponder and really think about, because I think this gets to the heart of it, if we're really trying to protect each other and protect society and come at it from a health vantage point, then the real question is, let's show your antibody status, right? Because that's what matters. But that's not the question being asked. The question is, did you get a vaccine? And that's not nearly good enough because for some people, the vaccine doesn't even generate that strong of an antibody response. Mm. So why does it matter per se, even if you've had a vaccine? What ultimately matters you have an antibody response, but we're not allowed to ask that question. It doesn't count. That's, that shows us that this isn't just about health, because if this was about health, that's how we'd come at it, right? It'd be, you know, and someone asked me recently, well, you know, how are they going to be able to, on a mass scale, do antibody testing? Well, in a very short amount of time, they came up with several vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> that they're mandating oh my God, yes. to, you know, 350 million Americans. So I'm pretty sure they can figure out how to figure out mass testing of antibodies. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. So that's not the issue, but that, is, that cuts to the core. And so for anyone, and again, I personally say if people want the vaccine, it's appropriate. I'm all in favor of it, all in favor of it. I just want people to be able to make informed decisions and do what their choice is. Um, and if they choose not to get the vaccine, that is their choice. And with choices comes responsibility. It doesn't mean like, okay, certainly doesn't mean they're a bad person. Mm-mm. Certainly doesn't. There's no judgment, but, but this becomes so polarizing that if, okay, if you, if you're not going to vaccinate, you're, you're dangerous to your society. First of all, if the vaccine works so well, why is people who aren't vaccinated dangerous? Like if, you've taken the choice to vaccinate yourself, which is great, fully supportive. You should be protected. You should be good. Yeah, so you're choosing to do that. I don't understand the, the harsh negative ferocity of against people who aren't vaccinated saying they're so dangerous. Well, it-, it doesn't help, as we know, when you've got...
0: <laughs> I hate to even call him the president, but... That's where he sits right now, saying that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yes. Buddy, people who have been vaccinated have gotten it. and a lot. People who have gotten vaccinated have, have had many adverse effects, which are reported and largely underreported. I think a Harvard study said that these things are, you need to take the number of adverse effects and multiply it times 100, and that's the real number of people that are affected, because I know plenty of people that I got it felt terrible. Some kid had his mouth his side of his face was, you know, somewhat paralyzed for a few days. Like they're not reporting. they don't even know where to report it. Like what are they going to do? By the way, <laughs> just to remind people, there's exactly zero liability for any of the pharmaceutical companies.
1: Right, totally indemnified. And and I can say it too, because I, I got COVID, my wife got COVID, or dear friend and nurse got COVID really badly. You know, I was hospitalized, I was on oxygen, the works. So I'm not speaking from some pie in the sky place of like, okay, let's talk theoretically. Like it was the hardest thing I've ever done. and it's And it's the real deal and it's super challenging. Having been through that, my perspective is, I still want people to be able to make that choice themselves. Mm. Right. And even further than that, I want to be able to ask questions because, um, I remember when I was in medical school, which was in the nineties, we had just started to figure out HIV. It took a good 10 years, right? Good 10 years to even understand it. We're not even two years in, we have so much to learn about this, right? if we can't ask questions, how can we make progress? And so all of this canceling and muting of people, because you have a difference in opinion, we will never make progress and never get out from under this. And that's the, 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 those are the, the, those are the things that I'm hoping eventually wake
0: the majority up. Because when you see people that largely have nothing to gain by sharing what they believe is not being shared, what they think is the truth and they are being, the platform from YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the platforms, when you start to see that there's just one narrative being pushed and that the powers that be don't want you to hear anything that is dissenting. Fuck people. Look around the world. We've seen this happen to other countries where we've sat here, largely had free speech. And it's, it's It's gone.
1: It is fucking gone. So, yeah. And so what I hope people can start to understand is what what we're talking about is collectivism, right? Like people think if it's good for society, you have to conform. That's never in the history of the world worked out for that society ever. So we're not starting from scratch. Like we've done this before. So it has to be individual choices. It has to be individual questions. It has to be challenging the status quo. That's the only way we're going to make progress and, and learn. And let's do it. I and mean, let's be able to disagree. Like, I want to be able to, why are you so angry about people who don't vaccinate? Why did, what, what is it? What trigger? Let's just have a very rational conversation, but people can't for some reason, not it's very emotional. And I don't, that's the part I understand. Like, let's just sit down and, and inform each other. Like you have to learn from me. I have to learn from you. And we may disagree. Yeah. We, we, and we, we likely will, but that's okay. Cause that's, you know, the American way, the American spirit is we're going to question and we're going to rebel. Like that's how our country was founded. Yeah. And we have been the beacon of free speech and Liberty for the rest of the world we became this source where people wanted to come to. And you ask people who have come from other countries and they are way more patriotic than most Americans because they've been in the places where, you know, I happen to be born somewhere where this is not a guaranteed right. It is not good. And, and, and for us to give up on that yeah. for this collectivism, just because makes zero sense. And,
0: and these people from Venezuela, and it, they're coming here, and they're saying, you need to wake up because this is what happened before we fell into socialism, communism, and it did not go well. And if we, you know, if people can, it, the problem is we're afraid or don't know how to think critically. Our so school screwed. system, I've talked about this before, I don't want to spend much time on it, but it is not set up for kids to learn how to think critically at all. Now I do think that the school where our two kids go, two of our kids go, I think they do an amazing job of that. They're an anomaly. So you're, you're brought up in this system. Just be obedient. Don't do this, do that. And (laughs) thankfully Peyton and I have, have recognized that that doesn't work. And so we allow our kids maybe some more freedom and some bigger boundaries than others, because we know that we need them to have their own experience. They need to fuck things up and then be held accountable to whatever is happening within it and then learn from it. Don't take my word for it. Go do the thing you want to do and see
1: what happens. Totally. And then tying this back to the health of it, which I don't think most people realize something like Prozac, for example, right? this medicine that can be useful for people who are depressed, anxious, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Um, Prozac, now that's ubiquitous in the environment, has been shown to make people more obedient. And it, they did a study where they looked at tap water, right? And they just examined the concentrate. What, what's in the tap water? It was, I think every pharmaceutical that's ever been made has been in that tap water. And even it might be micro amounts, but we're at a point where we're we're, giving people so many drugs that just because we don't have the time, we don't want to question, we don't want to critically think about why is someone depressed? It's just much easier to spend five minutes, take Prozac. And again, I'm not knocking Prozac. It can be useful in its time and its place. But we are, have a barrage of chemicals now that have changed our biology. So to your point, it's the systems we've created to keep people obedient, Right. We don't want people being disruptive and asking questions. And then it's what we expose ourselves to that's in part helping keep us, keeping us there. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not by any means. I like to be kind of, I just like to ask questions. And so the big question is what are we doing? You know, like what is the end game here? Because I know from my life experience and working with patients and helping people feel their best, People need to work and have meaning in their life to feel important. And if you're constantly just agreeing and getting a handout because it's easier at the time, that still doesn't feel good. You're not being your best self and you know it, you know it deep
0: down. And that's, I think it's a great point. And, And that's what's happening. All these, these stimulus um, it's really kind of a de-stimulus because there's no stimulation of that work ethic, that self-worth. You know, making it just enough money where people will stay home instead of going and get the job at the restaurant. I mean, there's so many pl- businesses that are hurting because they can't hire people because they can't pay them enough relative to the stimulus check. And
1: yeah, we there's a a lab. We use a lab to draw blood on patients and send out kits and. Part of that, we draw the blood in the office, then we have to ship it by FedEx to the lab, which is in California. We just got an email the other day. Because FedEx is operating at a lower workforce by 30 to 40% now, there can't, there's some guarantees in terms of overnight and two-day that they can't do anymore because they can't keep up. That is, I mean, people don't realize the trickle-down effect of people leaving the workforce they're going to leave the workforce in drove, right? And you're going to have hospital systems collapsing and people not being able to get care and things like, oh, it's FedEx or a big corporation. Yeah, but all these specimens we send every day. Yeah. And think about that. Like
0: 30 to 40% of FedEx's workforce is being cut. (laughs) Well, or people aren't showing up there. It's not because there are less packages to send. There's still the same amount, probably more each year being sent. So it's not like there's a lack of business for FedEx. People are leaving truck drivers. I mean, the number I heard was like 20,000 truck drivers are are not in work right now. People need to start to like ask the questions, like why? What is going on? What is the play here? You know, we've seen this major transfer of wealth over the past year plus. I benefited from it. I owned real estate. Real estate went up. Like yes, so I don't want to say I'm complicit, but I I did in you know it was on the quote unquote right side of that. But at the same time, people they 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 want this obedient class that will that does not own a home, and they're on the government tit, and it's happening whether I sound like a conspiracy theory or not, it's not conspiracy. If it's fact, it's fucking happening and it doesn't need to happen.
1: Well, and, and I think there's this notion that if you're successful, that's a bad thing. That's right. Like how dare you be successful? Like you should be taking care of others. And the, the reality is, is we're all in this together and all of our successes and all of our failures come down to the individual choices we make. And, and, you know, just like with, you know, taking the vaccine, when I tell people, if if you decide to take the vaccine, which is great, I want you to be really excited about it, right? I don't want you to make choices out of fear. Why would you ever put something into your body that you immediately reject and hate, right? Mm -hmm. But people do that with nutrition. People do that with their thoughts. They beat themselves up. I would rather people just, own every decision, but be a hundred percent supportive of those decisions you make. And some people are dealt a much harder hand. A lot of people are. Yeah. But it's still choices that they make and own to play the game. We, and it's always going to be choices, right? But we're, we're moving to a place where those choices are being taken away from people. And that's what I don't think people understand is we want to have choices. It's okay for things to be a struggle. We can't make progress. And like we were talking about in the beginning, if you don't go through the dark stuff and examine yourself and do the work, you can't make progress in your life. It can't be meaningful. And I don't know of anyone who wants to lead a mediocre life. No, I agree. no one. And so I, I hope people can start to understand it's going to be really hard and you're going to sacrifice and you may really not enjoy some of the work you have to do, whether that's spiritual, personal, on your job, but doing that work is what makes the the progress on the other side meaningful and count. Mm, mm, Well said.
0: Let's talk a little bit about treatments for if you get COVID and then what to do preventatively.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the best treatment um, seemed to have been those monoclonal antibodies. And and when I had COVID and was searching because I, I struggled a a lot with this and figuring out, could I, you know, as an office get them, right? Did I have to be a part of some hospital system? Interestingly enough, right around that time, the government, the the monoclonal antibodies were available and the government started restricting. And now they're only given on a, Case by case, needed basis, where clinics, hospitals can apply to get them, and they'll be distributed by the government. And you know, people like you know, which was crazy. Joe Rogan got really well, and he was doing NAD and doing ivermectin. But I think it's probably the monoclonal, from what I've seen. Like that's what President Trump got. It flips people really quickly. We should make that way
0: more. So why? The question is, why isn't that more available? Which, what do you? I, because, what's your intuition tell you?
1: we're not focused on the treatment. It's part of the narrative, the treatment. Like that's what was so disgusting about people backlash against Joe Rogan. Like, how dare you take ivermectin? How dare you do NAD? The dude got better in three days. Like good for him. And that's what we should be focused on for everyone. Mm. Aren't aren't we wanting the health and well being of everyone? Like, why are we, it's awesome. And if it's, if it was the ivermectin, let's support that. So, Looking at this narrative, it's never been about the treatment. It's only been about social distancing, right? Wearing a mask, and then the vaccine. Right? We've missed the middle, which is the most important. So I think monoclonal antibodies, but really challenging to get if you get COVID. Um, I think ivermectin is worth doing, even if it doesn't do much. It's very safe, so it's going to be benign. Um, I took it before and during when I had COVID. People say, "Oh, well, it didn't work." I don't. I don't know if it didn't work. That's right. Like I, I took it so and I certainly was safe. Um, I think vitamin D seems to be one of these agents that's going to help prevent people from getting severe COVID. Um, You know, People should be checking their vitamin D levels, their vitamin D3 levels. We want vitamin D to be greater than 70. We check routinely. Most people aren't. So most people are vitamin D deficient. Um, That seems to be a big factor. We just started doing a, a special immune system test just last week in our office to look at um, they use it in HIV surveillance. It's something called a CD4 to CD8 ratio it has to do with the white blood cells. And they're starting to look at that at COVID and people coming into the hospital and gauging how strong is their immune system. I'm just postulating that this is a good test for people to do once or twice a year to understand where people are, how strong their immune system is, whether you have antibodies or not, and then do some things to keep that immune system up. And I don't have the answers for that. I think vitamin D is a part of that it seems from the you know epidemiology and some of that data. Um, but I think some of it goes back to just like what I talk with patients about is, you know, live, if you want to make real change in your life, live more primitively, right? Get up with the sun, go to bed with the sun, get fresh air, walk every day, move your body. Simple things that most people don't ever do. That's how I think we make ourselves stronger. Very simple. Don't cost a lot of money. Um, and if you really, you know, most people have sleep issues and they're stressed out, you can do a lot of good just by leading that kind of rhythm, right? Mm. Get back in touch with the rhythms of your life and you will boost your immune system. Sounds probably for most people like, oh, okay. That's the, no, no, actually try it.
0: Yeah. And it's like, I found in my own experience, it's like removing a lot of the things. It's not adding more. You know, obviously, I take supplements and stuff like that, but it's, it's not always about adding these things. Sometimes we need to pull these things off the table and, like you said, get back to the basics of our own kind of biology and the way we've moved through the world for I don't know how long, but it's been many years four
1: hundred fifty
0: thousand. years. Yeah, that's it. You know, so we've, we've, if we can start to, yeah, I, I like that. Live more primitively.
1: And I just think people don't value the, the rhythms, like the circadian rhythm is like. For example, NAD, there's a circadian rhythm to when NAD should be released. There's a circadian rhythm to testosterone growth hormone, melatonin. And We tend to ignore it because we have electricity and we can, you know, you could be watching a movie at 2 AM. Okay. But that catches up with people. That's a big problem. Yeah. So if we're talking about, you know, very central core things related to our immune system, how do you prevent it? We've got to do the simple things first in many ways. again, we, most people can't, right? Like if we look at diabetes, well, most of diabetes is prevented by just cutting out the carbs in your diet. Most people can't do it. And I know it's hard. Yeah. But it works. Yeah. All right.
0: So someone gets COVID, you've got some treatment.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we make these packs that have, um, that our patients have ivermectin, has vitamin C, vitamin D, fatty acids, curcumin, this um, peptide um BPC-157 that they can start taking to help prevent help with exposure help if you've gotten it um is it enough again there's so much we're very in, we're in the infancy of this but it seems to make sense to take these immune boosting supplements with, again vitamin D vitamin C fatty acids have been shown to be helpful to how active your immune system is that seems to make sense um I'm a big fan of infrared sauna or sauna right to help detox to help cleanse your system I think that's a very useful tool, probably still underrated in terms of people, you know, kind of the masses saying, what does it do? Um, Some of these devices and systems aren't that expensive anymore. Mm. And I find them to be super valuable. Um, We are exposed to a lot of stress, helping our immune system cleanse that stress in a very real way with a sauna, I think is, you know, talk to anyone who has a sauna, they'll say the same thing.
0: Yeah. Agreed. For sure. And now, I'm curious because you're always kind of poking the edges of, of, you know, treatments and, you know, uh, putting different uh, protocols together. Yeah. What are you working on right now? That's really exciting for you.
1: A couple of things. One um, we're using, and, and part of it stemmed from COVID. We're using not 10 pass ozone, but high dose ozone. Um, ozone's O3 that we generate from oxygen that we give intravenously we pass that ozonated blood through an ultraviolet light to kind of cleanse it. And then combining that with like higher dose vitamin C doing a lot of that. Now Um, we're using some, some polyphenols intravenously. So curcumin green tea extract. Um, And then some, some interesting uh, agents like paracetam, which is a nootropic we're using it intravenously. And then we're, we're, you know, one of the things that was interesting to me when I was in the hospital And get to your question is, um, I take a blood thinner for my the the blood clots that developed a year ago, and my hematologist says it was a fluky thing, but you gotta take this blood thinner the rest of your life. Well, because of having COVID, my levels of my blood thinner got way too high, so the my blood was super thin. I was literally urinating blood. Oh fuck! Yeah, and that was a problem, obviously. So I went to the hospital, and, and to reverse that, they had to give me this stuff called fresh frozen plasma. I had pneumonia at the same time. I was sick as a dog, and uh, the fresh, frozen plasma uh, is given to make my blood normal again. And I was given two bags of it, and interestingly, after getting two bags of fresh frozen plasma, it was like a switch turned on, and I was better. Like I was ready to go. and I stayed the night, but I was better, mm. like I was fixed this is, I, I've been looking at this as like, what is this plasma stuff? And there's these devices we can use, which I think we're going to help figure out where we can, we can kind of clean people's blood and then give them back plasma. It's going to make us younger and stronger. Oh shit. Yeah. And that's what's coming. Oh wow. And, and that's super exciting. I mean, it's, it's we're not anywhere close to that, but that for me was personal. Like I felt it like the switch was flipped and uh, it just shows you, which always reminds me, like, there's always options. Like, just let's be open. Let's not close those doors and say, it doesn't work this way. It doesn't work that way because you haven't looked at it. That's, that's the answer.
0: Yeah. This is the way we've always done it. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I love that you would have never, maybe never discovered it had you not been in that obviously terrible state with COVID.
1: and never, right. I agree. That's, that's, it goes back to what you were saying initially, the, Orchestration of our lives, we have no clue, right? But if you can stand back and observe, you'll start to appreciate all these little things that make your life a symphony, right? It's not just noise. It seems like noise, it seems disruptive and it seems yeah. annoying at times and it bothers you. But eventually, when you have the perspective like, no, this is this grand symphony that we get to play out, but not conduct, Yeah, it gets very exciting.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Anything else, brother? Anything else you want to share? I think we covered a fair this amount really today. Yeah,
1: That's good to see you and talk Great to you. Great to see you. Yeah. What a That's treat. That's the best part. Yeah. Where Real. can people find you? Um, our website, conoverwellness.com. Really the only social media we do is Instagram, same thing, at Conover Wellness. And what kinds of things
0: can people get on the website?
1: We do a lot of peptide work. So we do peptides differently. Like I was saying, we pre-fill syringes. We go by goals. So we have fat loss, strength, peptides for the immune system, peptides for the nervous system, peptides for skin. Um, So people can literally just order. We send them a month's worth or sometimes three months worth, whatever. And they get started. Um, People can do consults with us. Um, People can buy supplements, NAD products through us. Um, we're just always trying to innovate and figure that out. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: And then again, if you want to find, you know, certainly if you're in Charleston or well, if you're anywhere, go on the website to find any kind of uh, doctors that will do the NAD for you. Yep. Um, amazing. Dude. Great. Thank you. Love you, man. Thanks Love for you, being buddy. here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. a lot. Such a treat.
0: You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, check out the show notes or head over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats, and the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.